Greetings and welcome to Word Magazine. This is Jeff Riddle. I'm the pastor of Christ Reformed Baptist Church in Louisa, Virginia. And today on Word Magazine, I have uh, two guests who are not strangers to the Word Magazine podcast, but uh, folk who have been uh, guests uh, on this podcast before. And in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Kept Pure in All Ages conference that will be held November 3rd and 4th of this year, 2023, up at the uh, Five Solace Church in Reedsburg, Wisconsin. And so let me welcome to this episode, first of all, uh, Pastor Christian Shaffrey, who will be our uh, host pastor for the Kept Pure Conference. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. It's good to be back. Good to have you here. I'm glad that you were the one person in the meeting who chose to have a coat and a tie. Uh, so thank you for having the OPC official uniform uh, on today. Well, I am appearing on YouTube's most glorious podcast, right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's 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 not right. it's not the it's not the most widely listened to, but it could be made perhaps considered by some uh, worthwhile, worth listening yeah. to. And uh, also from the the sunny regions of Arizona. Uh, Dane Johansson is with us. Dane, welcome to, uh, back to Word Magazine. It's great to be back with you. And I, tell me about uh, tell me about where you're ministering, what you're doing right now, Dane. So right now I'm a pastoral intern at Reformation OPC in Apache Junction, Arizona, which is right by Mesa, Arizona. And um, yeah, I've been a pastoral intern here for two years, so I'm serving with Pastor Joel Ellis and the session here, and uh, finishing my education over at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and that's been a huge blessing as well. Great. Um, so are you working on an MDiv there? It would be a BDiv for me, but yeah. BDiv, sorry. Which is the and, same, it's the same course material. Yeah, yeah. And and that's been primarily uh, online? Yeah, so I've been taking all the classes online, but it's been a huge blessing. I enjoy it. Good, wonderful. What's been the uh, what's been the what's been the most encouraging course you've had there? That'd be hard to say. I mean, I think most of the pastoral courses, like we had a course with Ian Hamilton, Doctor Ian Hamilton, on the Reformed Pastor, and <clears throat> some of the required reading for it was, you know, Charles Bridges and uh, men like that. We went through the ministries of Thomas Boston, the Erskine brothers, uh, Samuel Rutherford. We had to read his letters and and the letters of John Calvin. That was a really really encouraging, fun course. Yeah. Sounds like it. But but Dane, if you study all those old guys, how are you possibly going to be able to be relevant to the modern generation? <laughs> that that's the struggle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I sure. think the more of the old guys you read, the more relevant you are. Ah, there you have it. <laughs> Christian, what's what's just happening before we talk about the conference? Tell us about what's happening in your life and ministry uh endeavors. Well, in terms of my life, uh, my family continues to grow. My children are growing up. My oldest son recently got engaged. Wow. So we're having all sorts of changes here in the home. It's the beginning of autumn, which means a lot of cleanup around the homestead, you know, stacking firewood and clearing the garden and burning brush. Uh, it's a great season for our church life right now. We've been adding new members this year, and we're enjoying a season of unity and peace and joy in the gospel. So I'm very thankful for that. 
And then things like the conference, of course, keep me busy, preparations yeah. and such. Well, your, your church has really done a fantastic job the last two years. It's just really a, it's really kind of a first class operation, uh, mm -hmm. the way that, and the way your members pitch in, it's, it's not a, it's not just a Christian McChaffrey show, but, uh, all his members are there really, uh, serving, ministering, wonderful hospitality. Uh, so we'll talk more about that in a minute. I noticed one thing that came out here recently that I know you had a hand in. Some people think I had a hand in this. I mean, I was, I did, and that I gave a blurb for it, an endorsement for it. But uh, you were really the the one behind this little book project, uh, Theodore uh, P. Letus's, um little book. It's a title change, I think, from the original, but it's now titled "Today's Christian and the Church's Bible." A time to return to the authorized version. Can, can you tell us just briefly about how this came about, what the response has been so far? Sure. I think it's about a year and a half ago. I started Text and Translation, the website, mm -hmm. and I had to start a corporation in order to do that legally. Mm -hmm. So I listed it as a publishing house. Um, thought I would start out with online materials and then branch out to printed materials as the Lord provided. And I received permission from uh, Dr. Letus' family to reprint anything not under active copyright. And rather than going for a big project, I picked one of his smaller works and just retypeset it and worked with the Greater Heritage Christian Publishing Company who brought it to print. And the plan is to continue to reintroduce some of these older works. That's been out of print for a long time. And um, part of the joy was redesigning the cover and I guess rebranding it for the current generation. And people have been giving good feedback. They enjoy the little booklet and I hope to continue to do more. Yeah, I, the, the Greater Heritage this is the same small publishing, Christian publishing company that in Florida that did our Why I Preach from the Received Textbook. And um, they really try to do a good job with, the, I think, the technical aspects of the book and nice artwork, nice cover work, and uh, it, it looks nice to the eye. It's, 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 a, it's a brief work. It's, it's basically just an article. But um, I know after it came out, I had somebody uh, uh, text me and who had gotten it and, uh, you know, said that it, it really... Um, sort of um, reinforced their uh, their views on, on, on why a, tr a traditional Protestant translation was important uh, in these days. Uh, so uh, thank you for putting that together and getting, getting going. Where, where, where do you think we stand right now with uh, why I preach from the received text, uh, the book? You guys... Obviously, Christian co-edited with me and Dane contributed an article and uh, was kind of uh, when it came out and we got some negative responses and some positive responses. And I, uh, we, we were all three of us out there doing some uh, advocacy for the position. So um, where do things stand now with that little book? Uh, Dane, what's your what's your what are your thoughts on it as a seminary student? Uh uh, what, what's the what's the um, what's the situation out there for people thinking about the confessional text? Do you, do you think? I mean, I've heard many of the students at Greenville uh, be familiar with the book. 
have read the book. There's discussions about the book or specific articles in the book. Um, obviously, there's there's some that are, have been more negative. There's some that have been more positive. But overall, I think it's been generally helpful, at least at my experience at Greenville, in exposing people to the position and giving people an opportunity to read through from ministers who hold to the position, not just other people's thought on what the position is, but here's straight from the horse's mouth. You know, here's all these ministers who preach from the received text, who hold to this position, who hold to the church's Bible. And um, it's a place where you can send people. And I think it's been overall helpful. It's, it's put, it's put us on the map in a way or the position on the map, not us. We're not interested in having us on the map, but God's word on the map. And uh, this position that has been in the past hundred years or so, past few decades, kind of neglected or forgotten has kind of put it back on the map. So I think overall it's been, from my experience at seminary, uh, nothing but positive. Christian, mm. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Well, after about a year of getting a feel for how well it was received, you know, there were positive comments, but the chief complaint was against our appendix and really just one paragraph that challenged people to consider their ability to have differences in the church. And there were some accusations, I, I would say slander against us, that we were actively encouraging people to leave their critical text churches. And we blew that off in the beginning as just slander and unwarranted criticism. But I received reports from some other ministers that men in their presbytery were approaching them and challenging them on this on potentially being divisive in the body. So that's why about a month ago, um, we posted on text and translation an expanded version of that advice to show that there is actually no desire to be divisive. Um, and I haven't heard much feedback about that, but hopefully our chief critics will take time to read and consider the intended import of our advice. But you can only ask. I mean, people are going to think what they want to think, right? Yeah, you sent you sent me the, 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 that article that you posted giving some further explanation to that to that appendix on if you hold to the confessional text position and uh, perhaps you're a minister and you're in a church that doesn't have that position or uh, probably more uh, very common anyway I, was gonna, I don't know if it's more or less common but you're a an individual Christian member of a church and that's not the dominant position but I, I found it the, the criticism that you, that you were talking about because I hadn't heard much of that um, uh, other than maybe one person who had who had passed something along anecdotally on Twitter, but I, I was like, how can you possibly have read this appendix? It almost bends over backward to say, don't cause any trouble in your church. This isn't an issue that that should necessarily cause you to leave a church. Go humbly to your leadership if you're if you're a, a member of the church. Don't lay any burdens on your pastor, or your elders. I mean, we just it, we sort of bit over backwards to, to, to say, be charitable, and I think that's I think that's what we've always wanted to put forward. I mean, I was thinking back to when we had the um, the one of the first um, national meetings, I guess, in 2019 in Atlanta um, at Robert Trulove's church. Um, that question was raised: Is this going to be divisive? And I know. Robert and I both went, you know, bent over backwards to say, don't let this cause division in your church. Be charitable, be friendly. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you do have Christian liberty 
to to hold to what your convictional views are. Um, you know, as long as you're not being uncharitable and untruthful and so forth. So I'm glad you responded to that, Christian. I think you did. You, you as you are prone to do, you you gave a very capable, cogent, friendly, uh, charitable response to that. And I think a, a lot of times, probably the, those type of Christians are coming from people who, who haven't actually read the book. In mm. fact, I I I recently had an interaction with someone who had expressed criticism of some aspects of the book. And I pressed the fellow a little bit further. He didn't even own the book. He hasn't <laughs> even read it. All he's, all he's doing is, is reading blogs or opinions. He's not, he's not actually taking the time to look at it himself. I'm like, you know, perhaps you should first read it before you, um, before you offer. It's funny. I, the other day I was reviewing um, uh, a journal for which I do book reviews and I was, uh, uh, the, I was looking at the guidelines because uh, there had been some adjustments to it. But there was a statement in it that said, basically, don't review a book you haven't read. <laughs> That's a good rule of thumb. Don't try to review a book that you haven't actually read. So anyway, it seems like... Yeah, so there's a Latin phrase for that. It's called, duh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um i don't know i i've been i've been um quizzing you guys that you guys want to quiz me about what i've been up to here of late yeah what have you had been going on what have you been well, busy with <laughs> i i was uh i've been it's actually been very nice uh in august and september i was mainly just been at home and, and doing my regular uh, uh, routine. I was traveling a lot earlier in the year. I had the opportunity to um, go in June to do uh, the the uh, couple of Trinitarian Bible Society conferences uh, in Northern Ireland and then in London. I enjoyed that. Have, had the opportunity to preach in a couple places uh, there as well, in a, in a couple churches in in London. And uh, then we have some. Things we do in our church every year. We have a children's Bible school. We have a youth conference that I that I organize for our our uh, uh, other Reformed Baptist churches as well. So we did that, and uh, I had the opportunity to attend the International Congress on Calvin Research that was at uh, Calvin University. Had never been there before, and um, that was a really stimulating meeting. I had attended the one in 2018 that was held at Westminster Seminary uh, in uh, Philadelphia. And then they, they usually do this every four years, but because of COVID, uh, they had an interruption in the schedule. I think they were supposed to have done it in Brazil, and they, they ended up having to change it anyway. So the meeting was at uh, Calvin University. But um, I did a paper there actually on Calvin's uh, view of text uh, as reflected in his commentary on the Gospel of John. And uh, I had preached through John a couple years ago. And as I preached through John, I had read Calvin's commentary alongside of it. And whenever I got to a point in the commentary where he made some comments on the text, I just sort of jotted down some notes on it. And then once I had completed the series, I had a, you know, some, some, a, a set of notes. And so I basically just put that into uh, into an article, and I hope uh, perhaps maybe I'll put that out as an article at some at some point. I think just just as a little teaser on that, I, I I've written before about Calvin and textual criticism, and 
um, Calvin sometimes gets quoted on, on both sides. He gets sometimes quoted by the people who are advocates for the modern critical text uh, that he was, you know, engaged in, you know, uh, uh, a reasoned eclecticism, basically the forerunner to it. On the other hand, obviously, he gets quoted on our side because he did defend essentially the traditional text and in the traditional readings, like the woman taken in adultery, the traditional ending of Mark, the, the, the coming on him. But anyways, I just, I, it was interesting to look through his comments in the Gospel of John and, and see uh, sort of the points he's making. And I, I argue, actually, in the paper, he's sort of the father of, of both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's sort of the root of we can see eventually the rise of modern historical criticism out of his writings, but we can also see that that impulse towards uh, the the robust defense of the traditional text and the implications of it for apologetics with Roman Catholics or with atheists or whatever. But anyway, so uh, maybe at some point that that uh, that uh, we'll see the light of day and. Um, uh, but anyway, so that's, that's, that was one kind of fun thing that I did. My, my, I took my family with, with, with me on that trip and, uh, my wife called it the, uh, I don't want to offend anybody who, who lives in Ohio or Michigan or, or whatever, but, uh, she called it our tour of the armpit of America. <laughs> so, cause we went to a baseball game in Detroit, downtown Detroit on the way. And we went to Grand Rapids. It was kind of a baseball trip too. My boys love baseball. So we went to a, uh, got to see the, uh, the 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 White Caps, which is a single A team for the Detroit Tigers uh, in Grand Rapids, and then on the way back we stopped in Pittsburgh, and that's the most beautiful baseball stadium I've ever seen. It's gorgeous. Uh, but anyways, we got to see the Pirates play the Phillies, and anyway, it was fun. Yep. But uh, anyways, that's a, that's a little bit about what it, we just had our uh, we just had our um, we have a thing called a Keech conference and we just had this this past weekend and um, uh, the speaker uh, primary speaker was uh, Jeffrey Thomas, uh, who's a Welsh, you know, pastor for 50 years at the Alfred place Baptist church in Aberystwyth. I think that's the way you pronounce it, Wales. So it was, uh, he's 85 years old, um, but the man can preach. Um, I, I pray I would make it, to 85 and if if i do that i would be able to preach the way he can um Mm. he you know sort of very carefully walked toward the stage and got up there but boy when he got up there he was ready to preach and um you know uh he had a fruitful uh ministry i was thinking about uh you know derek thomas Mm. uh was converted under his ministry and was a member of the church and actually served as a deacon in the church. And I didn't get a chance to ask him what he thought about uh, Thomas eventually then becoming Presbyterian. But anyways, that'll, that'll be a discussion for another for another day. <laughs> um, so uh, let's move ahead if we can. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about the Kept Pure in All Ages uh, conference. Uh, which, uh, as I noted, this is the third consecutive year that the conference has been held. And so um, all three of us will be there. All three of us will be speaking. But I'll uh, maybe turn it over to Christian. And uh, if you want to give us a review, tell us about the what the theme is, the dates, 
And if you want to ask us about uh, what the, the, the assignments we've been given uh, to address, so I'll, I'll turn it over to Christian if that's okay. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So first, Conference Basics, uh, our purpose statement is as follows. Uh, the Kept Pure in All Ages Conference is a conference that issues an earnest but brotherly call to return to the classical Protestant view of the biblical text of Scripture, which led our fathers in the faith to receive the Textus Receptus as the authentic Word of God, especially in light of the radical changes that are coming both to the Greek New Testament and our English translations. This year's conference will be held in Reedsburg, Wisconsin, at Five Solas Church, beginning on Friday evening, November 3rd, and concluding in the afternoon of Saturday the 4th. And people who want more details and a schedule and an opportunity to RSVP are welcome to visit the website. It's keptpure.com. So that's the general basic information. And in God's providence, we ended up scheduling the conference for later in the year, this time around for various reasons. And we thought it would be convenient to choose a Reformation theme since most people, including many Lutherans in our area, are familiar with Reformation Day. Of course, the anniversary of Martin Luther posting his 95 Theses at the church in Wittenberg. So we were hoping also to turn this conference more into a Reformation celebration um, that might attract local people as well. So we chose a Reformation theme. So that the, the, the special emphasis this year is going to be uh, how the Protestant Reformation uh, affects or uh, impacted our view of Scripture and what the implications are for our bibliology, uh, essentially. Is that is that fair to say? And, and it's Friday, Saturday, November 3rd and 4th. And I know having attended be, attended before, I, and I just mentioned I was. We just had our our Keach conference, our which is a Reformed Baptist Fellowship of Virginia annual conference. There are a lot of conferences this time of year. There have been a lot of high profile uh, conferences that that took place. Um, and uh, what, what do you think the value of a conference is, uh, as opposed to just watching something online? Uh, uh, by yourself, what, what, what's the value of actually coming and being present at a conference, do you think? Well, first, let me admit that most people have benefited from our conference by viewing it online. Mm. Uh, you look at the view counts for the various lectures, and it's 10 to 100-fold what we actually had in physical attendance but as one who's been there, you can attest to the fact that some sessions are devotional and worshipful in their nature. Um, many opportunities for Christian fellowship, not only you know amongst the local brothers here, but across many different states, friendships have blossomed from our conferences. And also, I think, and I can't get in the mind of our, our critics or adversaries, but well-executed conferences do grant legitimacy to theological topics that are worth consideration. And if we just put it on blogs and on Facebook and Twitter, you know, those are just people from who knows where, some swamp in Arkansas. But when you have 100 plus people come together and enjoy fellowship and study doctrine and leave well-informed 
it benefits the whole body of Christ, I believe. And we've also noticed since our conferences some cross-pollination so that um, I've been working more with Trinitarian Bible Society, and so have you, and they're very cooperative, and they've been co-sponsoring our conference. And it just consolidates interest in what's probably a forgotten topic from the theological curricula, and that would be bibliology. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, uh, I, it's not a, you know, it, it's, it's not a huge conference, um, but it's, but, you know, the, it's, it's a quality one. And mm-hmm. I mean, actually it's been well attended. I mean, pretty much the room has been pretty, pretty full for, for the meetings. And, and also it's been interesting because in the previous conferences, I don't know what this one is going to be like. We've had people from all over the country come. I mean, I think there were like 20, 25 States represented uh, the mm-hmm. last couple of times. And some people drove long ways. I mean, they, they came from Arizona. They, they, they came from, you know, cross country to get there. And I think for some people, maybe who are, they feel maybe they're in their context, they feel like a little isolated, like they have these strong convictions, but they don't know other people who do, or maybe their church doesn't. It's kind of, it's kind of encouraging for them. And that that's true for lay people and for pastors as well. But it's also, yeah, just a chance to get to, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for fellowship. I know uh, at the hotel last year, uh, you know, a bunch of us were down there sitting around the table, you know, breakfast, and we had, you know, probably an hour's worth of time just to sit around and talk with one another. And, and uh, so it, anyway, it's, it's uh, that, that, that fellowship part is, is valuable and important. You know, one other benefit that I just thought of is, when you introduce people not only to bibliology, but to some of the classic passages that we would seek to defend, you already mentioned some of them um, in Calvin's commentary. A lot of traffic, especially over the last decade, has been coming from independent and fundamental sources. Mm. And that I don't think has benefited the cause of the authentic text. So when people come to a conference such as ours, um, they'll realize it's all confessional subscribing Christians um, with advanced degrees, and that were very mainstream in terms of the established Protestant churches. And there's no kookiness or weirdness. Uh, there are no, I mean, nut jobs are allowed to attend, of course, but they're not allowed in the pulpit. So <laughs> I think that's good. It's good for the good for the conference, but it's also good for the continued discussion on text and translation. Hmm. Um, Dane, Dane, you want to, you want to, uh, um, jump in on that. Do you have anything to, any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think I haven't gotten to go to any of the kept pure conferences. So this will be my first time not only attending, but I get to uh, share a devotional lesson as well. And that will be a huge blessing. Um, but I did go to the first kind of conference we had back the one you mentioned in Georgia at Robert Trulove's church. Uh, what was that? 2019. And uh, I think the the point you hit on uh, Jeff a moment ago of people that feel isolated they're just they're only hearing this stuff online they're talking with other people online about it but they feel kind of isolated in their context that people at their church they talk about their convictions and people look at them like they have horns growing out of their head uh, or cloven feet Um, they come together and they see that there are other brothers throughout the world uh, who come from different places different backgrounds that are real human beings um, real brothers and sisters in Christ that hold to the same convictions. And I think that's one of the greatest benefits. So I'm looking forward to coming to the kept pure conference just for that, the fellowship. Yeah. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very enjoyable. So 
There are going to be uh, three uh, main lectures and a devotional that's going to be shared. So let's 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 talk about uh, uh, the 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 topics if we can. On Friday evening, uh, Christian, you're going to be addressing the issue of the authority of Scripture. What are you what are, what what might we anticipate from your lecture on that? Well, before I answer that. Friday evening is going to start with something new for our conference, and that's a hymn sing. Mm. And I've chosen some Reformation-era hymns written by some names you would recognize, like John Huss and Martin Luther. And we'll sing those, you know, during the first section, just in order to prepare our hearts to receive God's word. But then I will be speaking on the authority of Scripture. And, you know, people hear about the Reformation, and sometimes they make the mistake of thinking it's only a 16th century movement that happened in Europe, when actually we see Reformation in the Bible and in biblical Mm. history. So my plan is to begin with the Reformation that occurred under the reign of King Josiah, and then having established some principles from that about the authority of Scripture and its effect on God's people and the world, uh, maybe draw some parallels with the Reformation in the 16th century and also to the continued need of our own day to call upon the church to, you know, rediscover, as it were, the authority of Scripture and then respond to it through repentance and faith. So that'll be lecture number one on the authority of Scripture. We'll end that night with fellowship, weather permitting, um, campfire, s'mores, hot cider, and all that. As some would say, uh, really cool food and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, we reconvene on Saturday and Dane will get the first portion with a devotional, so maybe we can hand it off to him and hear what he has planned. Well, naturally flowing out of the authority of Scripture is the the use of Scripture, and that's what I've been asked to speak on is the use of Scripture, which um, we're taking obviously from 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. As I was preparing and thinking through it and continue to prayer prepare through uh, reading commentaries and Calvin sermons. Calvin makes a a point in his commentary on the passage uh, for the word profitable, that any, the the scriptures were given to us by God and inspired by him and given to his church for that very purpose, that they would be profitable. And so to use scripture in any other way, to use scripture in an unprofitable way, he says, is unlawful. And I think that's a really key and, and helpful point to consider that um, especially for us, you know, we're, we're excited about our convictions. We're excited about a return to the Protestant view of Scripture. I think that the Scripture's view of itself is what we're presenting, hopefully, right? Um, and not only do we want to defend Scripture, we should use Scripture. And that means the we allow God's Word to correct us in our doctrine and our life and how we uh Present ourselves to the to the watching world, especially in a time like like ours, where um, we have people. You can just say you're whatever gender. You know what is Facebook Ooh. or what is it called Meta now? They've even changed their own name. Um, Meta has what 150 genders or something. Mm. Uh, but what does God's word say? We have to submit ourselves to it, and it has to be profitable. It's been given to us not just to study, not just to defend, not just to argue about, not to write papers about. All that stuff is good and right, but to ultimately be profitable, that we might be equipped and ready. So um, if I speak longer than five minutes about this, I'm giving a quarter of my uh, sermon. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hand it off now, but I'm excited about that topic and um, it'll be fun. Now I got one question for you, brother. Yes, sir. You got to settle the debate. Is it thoroughly or thoroughly furnished? 
if I'm reading the King James, it's it's thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Is there a difference between the words? I don't think so. Agreed. Uh-huh. We'll have to look it up at the at the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, and see if there's any subtlety in what might have been meant by thoroughly. Um, I'll have to borrow. I, I know someone that could do that for us. Right. If, yeah. Send him an email. I guess after on Saturday after the after Dane has his devotion, which is going on the uses of scripture, it sounds wonderful. I'm looking forward to, to hearing his insights. I guess I have two lectures, and uh, the first is going to be on the authenticity of scripture. And I, I got to tell you, I you know I'm it's it's October two as we're recording this, October the second. And so I've got a whole month uh, to prepare. So I, I'm, I'm in the process now thinking about what I want to do. I, I will say, as we've done this, these conferences in the past, I, I don't think uh, we've really tried in, the, in these conferences not to just give rehash material, but I think there will be, you know, fresh and new material. I was talking with a, a minister the other day about this, and he said, you know, in the Internet world, you know, it used to be some of these guys who spoke at conferences and things like this they could have the same sort of message and use it in multiple places. And uh, these days that's, you know, it's hard to do because people listen. And uh, so we're not just going to hopefully just present something you've already heard before, but and again, to push ourselves to go a little bit further, but, but we're going to look at the, the question of the authenticity of scripture, of course, in chapter one, paragraph eight of our confessions, you know, it talks about uh, scripture being authentical, and so I'm going to look at what that what that term means, and hopefully I'm going to I'm I'm planning to trace some examples of places uh, of of particular texts where uh, discernment and a decision has to be made. It can't be the can can't be kicked down the road mm. on what is authentical, uh, what what is scripture. If we don't know what scripture is, then we don't have a place to stand, I think, in uh, in, in giving a defense uh, for the hope that is within us. So anyways, I, I'm planning to do that. And then the second one is going to be on the accuracy of Scripture. And I don't honestly often speak as much about the issues related to translation, but I will be talking uh, uh, in that uh, talk about some of the connections between a, a good text and a good translation. Um, so I'll be, I'll be trying to address that probably for both of those lectures. I think I mentioned this to Christian. I just recently completed a 10,000 plus word article, scholarly article uh, on the topic of uh, retrieving the bibliology of John Owen mm-hmm. and um it, it, it's going to be uh, did this for a, a journal and um, and we'll, we'll, it'll probably be appearing in that journal before the end of the year. And so probably I'll be drawing upon some of the material that uh, that I use. So there'll probably be quite a few quotations, citations, references to John Owen, the bibliology of John Owen. What did he say about what was the authentical text? What did he say about what was the accurate text and accurate translations based upon it. So anyways, I'll be in the, over the next month up to the time of the conference, uh, putting my thoughts together on that. And um, I'm very much looking forward to being there once again. Uh, Wisconsin's a beautiful place, the plains and uh, 
Uh, it's a lovely place to visit. So I'm looking forward to being there again. Um, and there's a, there's going to be a panel discussion too at the end. And I know you don't uh, you don't normally record that because sometimes we have some. It gets into the nitty gritties of what's happening in our lives or churches. And I, I like the fact that you, you leave that sort of unrecorded. So people who haven't, that's one area. If you, if you don't actually attend the conference, you don't really get a chance to be part of that. Um, but Christian, any, any, uh, anything else you want to add, fill in the gaps uh, from our conversation about what the content of the conference will be this year? No, oh, that pretty well covers it. I would just encourage people to come. If cost or logistics is an issue, we have some generous supporters. We might be able to arrange a scholarship. We did that for one minister who's coming in from out of state, and we just helped him with lodging and travel. So if that's the big burden that prevents you from joining, um, please just contact me, and we'll see what we can do to take care of it. Okay, good. So if if, if someone wants to attend, they, they need to pre-register. Is that right? It's preferred. And that's only because we're providing plenty of snacks and then a lunch. So we'd like to know how many heads will be there. Right. And they do that by going to the website? Yes, keptpure.com, keptpure.com. And just scroll down. It's a single page website. Scroll down to the RSVP and just fill in the form. It'll come right to me and we'll get you registered. Okay. Dane, you want to add anything else about the conference? I'm looking forward to it. I've never been to... To, to your church. So I'm looking forward to meeting everybody there and, and seeing you guys speak. It's going to be a good time. Lo- lovely group of people there. Very hospitable. And um, I'm assuming Christian that uh, uh, Trinitarian Bible Society is going to have a book table there. Is that right? Yes, they always do. I don't know if they're going to be able to send representatives because that's a busy time of the year for them, but they always send plenty of materials, including Bibles, tractates, you name it. Wonderful. Good. Yeah. yeah. I know it's, I've, I've enjoyed picking up some things uh, from them uh, at the conferences when I've been there. So, well, brothers, uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll bring things to a close. Uh, is there anything maybe coming up in your personal lives or ministries, uh, something you're writing or doing that you uh, want us to know about or, or w- ways we can follow your ministry. Um, Dane, what about for you? I mean, other than school and, and filling the pulpit at ROPC, not, not a whole lot other than, than that. So I'm not writing any papers or any uh, articles lately except for school. But if you want to follow the ministry at ROPC, you could obviously go to our YouTube uh, page, ROPC, Reformation OPC, and uh, that should pop up there. If you wanted yeah. to hear any of my sermons or Pastor Joel's, I, t- I told you I, we, were, we were speaking before we got started, and uh, because of the time difference, you guys are three hours, uh, yeah. you know, uh, difference. A lot of times, uh, it, I found like on a, a Sunday evening or Wednesday evening, uh, I'm through with my duties uh, at my church. But I've been able to listen in to some of your services and and found it edifying, encouraging uh, to be able to listen in. So every once in a while, if you see somebody listen, it might be somebody from Virginia uh, who's, who's listening Lord. in. Yeah, Christian, what about you, brother? Well, generally, if anyone wants to hear me preach, I post sermons weekly at fivesolas.church. Those are audio sermons for the most part. 
And most of my contributions to the discussion on text and translation are through the website textandtranslation.org. I try to post weekly. Some is original content, but much of it is curated from the internet. I try to post the best defenses for the accuracy of the traditional text and also the accuracy of our common version. All right. Well, brothers, thank you guys so much for being my guest today uh, for this little preview of the Kept Pure in All Ages conference, November 3rd and 4th of 2023. And I hope that uh, we'll have some listeners uh, who will consider uh, coming and joining us, particularly if you live closer in that area. Uh, come on out and join us. I'd love to get an ch- opportunity to meet you in person. I'm sure the other conference participants would say the same. So with that, we're going to bring this episode to a close. Thank you for listening to Word Magazine, and we'll look forward to listening to you in the next episode. Till then, take care, and may the Lord richly bless you. <music>